Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning and praise ye the Lord. Praise God. Praise him. Praise Jesus. Praise the Lord. Y'all, we are here this morning and we are thankful for another day, another time. And I thank the Lord today. Listen, I got to move fast today because we're going to have a we're going to have a Monday morning service today. There's going to be church this morning. And we want to make sure we can get out the way so God can get in the way. So listen, I know y'all love it. Y'all ask about it all the time. So here they are today. We're going to thank God and call up the Sound Gospel Radio Mass Choir. Excuse me, uh, Sister Robin, I can hear you already. The Sound Gospel Radio Broadcast Choir. Hallelujah. They're going to give us a selection. And I want y'all to stay tuned after that for the word of God. And so this is how we're going to do it. This is how we're going to do it. <laughs> we have the word of God this morning, y'all, coming from our founder, which is me. Y'all going to act like it ain't me. The word of God this morning is coming from our founder, Elder Nathan J. Hoskins. Listen, y'all, for those that didn't know, I had to preach yesterday at my own church, church in Wildwood, New Jersey, Eureka Transformation Church. And I was the preacher for the morning. So I said, you know what? I said, let me share yesterday's message with the ones that are tuning in this morning. So y'all bear with us this morning. And I want to give y'all, I try to cut up as much as I can and, uh, you know, not give it everything. But listen, we thank God for y'all. Y'all tuning in, y'all stay tuned in. So we must be doing something right. So after the selection from the choir, you will hear the next voice you would hear. <laughs> Why can't I do this so seriously? I've been trying. I was trying. I was trying to do this. Y'all, oh, this morning, help me, Jesus, in the morning time. Have y'all been enjoying the weather? Did y'all enjoy the weather where you all live? I know many of us, we all live in different parts of the country. And guess what? Live in different parts of the world. So wherever you are listening, let us know if you're enjoying the weather. I asked y'all last week, and let me, let me give y'all some founders remarks before we go into service. I asked y'all last week, if you haven't already, to send us your email. And if you can, we would love to have your email. Uh, for several reasons to keep you in touch with some things we have going on, some discounts, some updates. Uh, we will try to make it more accessible on the website where you can just do it right from the main page. I got to do that when I get the chance. So please forgive me that I didn't do that. I forgot to do that. I had a busy weekend. I was in conference this weekend, preached on Sunday, and now we're here on Monday morning giving God praise. So, you know, just bear with us. And we're going to get there, y'all. We're going to get there. But listen, we're going to have a selection from the uh, Sound Gospel Radio Broadcast Choir. I want you to clap your hands and, and give God praise for them as they come. Amen. They're going to sing to God's glory. They're going to sing to God's honor. And we thank God for them at this moment. So come on, choir. Get yourself together. and um, get yourself. When I said the choir the first time, y'all should have already been up here. I don't know what took y'all so long. You know, I can't stand it. You know, we do it. Other churches do that. We don't do that here at Sound Gospel Okay, we don't do that here. So get yourself in here. You want to act that? Okay, all right, all right. Y'all pray for y'all pray for y'all pray for this church. Amen. This is this a radio station. This is the Sound Gospel Radio Church. Where have you been? Okay, all right. See the musicians. They know. See, because you want the paycheck after tonight. I know you do. See, I didn't, have, I didn't even have to ask you to start playing. You knew already, didn't you? Oh, praise the Lord. All right, y'all. I'm going to move out of the way. I'm going to let this Sound Gospel Radio Broadcast Choir sing and praise God. And we're going to do this. Listen, I have a question. How many of y'all know that God is your everything? How many of y'all know that God is your everything? Is he your everything? One, two, three, go. 
saying is going on <laughs> it says in verse one therefore when the lord knew that the pharisees had heard that jesus uh made and baptized more disciples than john the baptist though jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples he left judea and departed again to galilee i just want i just want to pause right there you know what that blessed me, y'all? These are messages inside of messages. I know I can't share it all today. But listen, sometimes when you're in the middle of adversity, mess, gossip, foolishness, do what Jesus did. What happened? He knew what was going on, and he, he left. Sometimes we need to walk away from some stuff. Some stuff we don't need to put our mouth on it. Some stuff we don't need to say anything about it. Some stuff we don't need to even just, no motion, no, no nothing, just walk away. I ain't dealing with this today. And so this is how I saw the text here. He says, therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made more baptisms than, than the disciples of John, this one, he said, you know what? He left and departed again to Galilee, but he needed to go through Samaria. He needed to go through Samaria. Hallelujah. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sakar. 
near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son, Joseph. Now, Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well, and it was about the sixth hour. Why was it so important for us to see that Jesus was weary? Why was it so important for us to know that Jesus rested at the well? Because it's for us to see that although he was 100% God, he was also 100% man in this text at the time. It shows us Jesus' humanity. I don't know if y'all knew this, but uh, all of Jesus' journeys was on foot. Hallelujah. He didn't come in uh, like, the, like the, he was the king of the Jews, but he didn't come in like they thought the Messiah was going to come. When they were looking for the Messiah, they thought he was going to come in with all the glistenings and all the, the diamonds and the gold. And, and they thought that he was going to come in on the chariot ride. No, Jesus ain't had no money. He came in po. And he came in walking on foot. He had no camels and no horses and no, no carriage. No, 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 no. He was tired and so he was weary. And the Bible says he sat there on the well. He had no couch to rest on. He had no stool, so he had to rest on the well. So even that could have been uncomfortable. All right. He sat on the well as people get weary when you travel. Now we look at... The sixth hour, it's important that it talks about the sixth hour, which is 12 noon. Why is this important? Because uh, the women of the day, when they would go to the well, they would go twice a day. They would go at night and they would go in the morning. Hallelujah. So they would go at night and in the morning. Let me keep reading here. It says, now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore being weary from his journey, he sat by the well. It was the sixth hour and a woman of Samaria came to draw water and Jesus said to her give me drink give me a drink Jesus said to her give me a drink again I wanted you to know that it was important that this six hour was pulled out because most of the women would go at early in the morning or at night but she went in the middle of the day she came at noon to hopefully not run into anybody Huh? She came at noon so that she wouldn't run into anybody at the time. But I find it amazing that the women would draw water in the morning. They would draw water at night. She came in the middle of the day. Hallelujah. And she ran into Jesus. Right in the middle of the day. Did y'all know that's the type of God that we serve? Sometimes he may not show up in the beginning. Sometimes he may not show up at the ending. He will show up sometimes right in the middle of your situation glory to God so she ran into Jesus right in the middle of the day and a woman of Samaria came to draw water and Jesus said to her give me a drink (laughs) for his disciples had gone out into the city to buy some food Then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you being a Jew ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaria. Let me tell you something. Back in the Old Testament, when the northern kingdom of Israel uh, with the northern kingdom of Israel and uh, and just for our Bible scholars, uh, we 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 will understand that, uh, you know, Israel was one big family. 
And because of Solomon's disobedience, uh, the Israel began to split into two kingdoms. You have the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And if you read through that Old Testament, y'all, they were some stingy, stubborn, hard-headed folk. Don't that sound like some of us? Oh, my goodness. The Lord told them what to do. They do the opposite. Ah, uh, The Lord told them don't do this. They do it. The Lord say go this way. They go the opposite. They did everything opposite. So it got to a place where the northern kingdom, the Lord said, I'm going to teach you a lesson. And he allowed the Assyrians to take over the northern kingdom. So the northern kingdom of Israel, uh, later on with its capital, we came at Samaria. Uh, the northern kingdom fell into the hands of the Assyrians. So many Jews were deported to Assyria. All right. And so while many Jews were in the land of Assyria, we also have foreigners who were brought in to settle in the same land. So while the, the Jews were deported into this land, they got linked up with the settlers and they started mixing the race. They started becoming what they call intermarriage. And so they got mixed up with these foreigners. And so the Jews who lived in the southern kingdom, the ones who considered themselves to be the pure Jews, they were angry and they felt that our people had betrayed us because now you linking up with folk that is not who we are. So they wanted nothing to do. With them, they even called them half breeds. Y'all know that was just, uh, that's like the N word for us. I just want to tell you this right now. They called them half breeds. So, to, so as the Bible goes on, we look at uh, the Samaritans. They built their own temple to parallel the temple at Jerusalem. Uh huh. And so, and so listen, the pure Jews, which is, uh, uh, which was those from the, the southern kingdom, they, they considered anything that the Samaritans did. Listen, y'all ain't like us. Y'all turn against us. Listen, we don't, listen, y'all are pagan. Y'all are pagan. They said everything y'all doing is, it ain't God and God ain't in it. We don't want nothing to do with y'all. So, so the feud began to grow between these people. So anybody from Samaria, as far as the Jews gets, is concerned, I don't want nothing to do with them. Listen, y'all, they were so, uh, so, so angry with these people that in order to get to certain places, the shortest route was through Samaria. But guess what they did? They went to the, <laughs> they went the long way around. Did you know they were, they were cross the Jordan River rather than travel through Samaria? Think about it. Look at where we live, y'all. We're in Cape May County, New Jersey, for those that don't know. And if I want to go to Maryland or certain parts of Delaware, my wife and I realize if we want to cut off some time, it's easier for us to get on the ferry. And it takes us right there. But if I don't want to go to Lewis, Delaware, because my uncle is in Lewis, Delaware, and I can't stand him, I'm going to drive all the way around and waste gas and time. That's what they did. They went all the way around because they wanted nothing to do with the people in Samaria. Verse 10 says, Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Ah, he said, if you knew the gift of God, if you knew who you were talking to, when I asked you to give me a drink, you would have been asking me to give you a drink. Hallelujah. And I would have given you living water. The woman said to the man, she said, sir, she said, you have nothing to draw with. 
and the well is deep. She said, where then do you get that living water? She said, are you greater than our father, Jacob, who gave us the well and drank it from it himself, as well as his son and his livestock? Guess what she said, basically? She said, well, who are you? You think you greater than our father, Jacob? And see, she could say our father, Jacob. Why? Because, again, their, their, her lineage goes back to Jude, the Jews, although they were considered the, the half-breeds. So she said, you think you're greater than our father, Jacob? And, then, and, and, and the fact that she knew that Jesus was a Jew, she knew what she knew what she was talking about and she knew that Jesus understood so who you think that you are to tell me that you're going to give me living water Jesus answered and said to her well whoever drinks of this water this water here inside of this well they're going to thirst again he said but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him they will never thirst but the water that I shall give him, hallelujah, will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. All oh, that thing blessed me, y'all, because he said, not only will I give you something to drink, he said, but I have a way of getting inside of you that you will never thirst again. Hallelujah. He said, I will put a fountain inside of you. Glory to God. He said, a fountain of water that will spring up into everlasting life hallelujah when jesus looked at the woman at the well he could see right through her and he noticed that there was a deeper thirst that needed to be quenched see she came for some water for whatever reason that she needed it but he saw that she mm -mm, mm -mm. oh she's thirsty but she's thirsty she needs a little bit more and he said i got some water hallelujah that you will never thirst again the woman says to her in verse 15 hallelujah the woman says to her sir give me this water <laughs> give me this water that i may not thirst nor come here to draw y'all y'all pray for me how i read the scripture she said give me this water that i may thirst hallelujah that I may not thirst. And basically she said, give me this water so I ain't got to come back here again. Now, come on, y'all. Y'all know when we were kids, we tried to find the easiest way out, the shortcut. I don't know about y'all. My dad was meticulous how we had to make up the bed a certain way. And I used to try to just stuff it in the corners and do a little stuff. Or clean up your room. Take all your stuff and just throw it in the closet. That ain't clean up your room. He wanted them things folded up. And to go, so that's the way I saw it with this text. She said, "Listen." She said, "Well, give me this water. What is water at? That I that I ain't got a thirst no more. Don't even come to this well. What, what's up with this water? Hallelujah!" But Jesus saw that there was a thirst on the inside. And we go back to Matthew real quick. Matthew chapter five, Jesus verse six. He said, "Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness." For they shall be filled. Jesus saw that there was a thirst inside of her. Jesus saw that there was something inside of her that water could not fix. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Bible says in Matthew, it says a hunger and thirst after righteousness. What does that mean? That means a hunger and thirst after righteousness, meaning to, to seek after God. To chase after him. To have a relationship with him. 
to spend time in worship and in praise, to spend time in reading the word of God. But it's a shame that some of us, hallelujah, we don't want to seek after God. We don't want, we say we're thirsty, but we don't want to chase after God. We say we're thirsty, but we don't want to spend time in prayer. We say we're thirsty, but we want to spend two minutes in worship. We say we're thirsty, but we don't want to go through the requirements to, for our thirst to be quenched. Why? Because praying and fasting and living right, it's not attractive. It's not appealing. It's not appetizing. And it's amazing that we constantly give death to the one that wants to give us life. We strangle the one that is trying to help us survive. We ignore the main one, which is our God, that listens to all of our problems because we don't like his ways or his requirements because it's not attractive. It's not appealing. It's not appetizing. The preacher tells us to get in the word of God. And guess what? We say, well, I don't read like that. I don't read like that, but I find it funny that some of us, uh, they can go on social media and read a whole novel, a whole entire novel, reading somebody else's business. Oh, what they say? Who did what? And then get on the phone. Girl, did you go, go to Ray Ree's page? Yup. Scroll down about two posts. Read that. Yo, did you read? What? We have time. We can read all of that. Listen, I don't want to talk about I, I grew up in a house full of women, so I, I know what I'm talking about. I heard the phone calls. Did you see what she said? Did you see what she posted? Did you, we can read all of that. We got time to read that. But, 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 but the word of God. No, no, it's not attractive. It's not appealing. Oh, my goodness. I watch people take their time at the restaurant. I mean, and go through each piece. Well, they want $13.99 for this. Now, you know, we can get this at $2.99 over at the other place. $13.99, they crazy. We will read everything. We'll read the fine print. Do you know they charge 15% after 3 o'clock? Yeah, I ain't giving no tip today. They already get their gratuity. We read everything in the menu. Even the baby that can't talk. What you want, boo-boo? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's even pointing. He's even telling you what he wants because what he saw, what you saw was attractive. It was appealing. It was appetizing. It caught our attention. <laughs> but let me tell you something. The same way we take that nasty medicine to get better, it's the same way we need to make sacrifices. Die to the flesh. Build a relationship with God so that we can be full in him. Uh, Jesus said in verse 13, he said, whoever drinks of this water, this water, this water. Let me have some water. So you drink of that water, you're going to thirst again. Whoever drinks of the water that I shall give them, they will never thirst. But the water that I shall give them will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. Well, Jesus said to her, well, go call your husband and come here. 
Mm. Go call your husband and come here. Well, the, the woman answered and said, I have no husband. <laughs> and Jesus said to her, you have said, well, I have no husband. For guess what? You had five husbands. And the one that you're with now is not your husband in that you spoke truly. Now, if y'all give me a moment to have a little rant for just a moment. We've heard many of us, not everybody, but I grew up in church and I've heard this story many times. And, but I've been reading the text and I know many scholars, they'll say that this woman, she lacks self-control. Many scholars would say that this woman was an adulteress. Many scholars would say that this woman was a whoremonger because she had five husbands and was with another man at the time when she met Jesus. But I kept reading the text and I said, well, I said, could it be that she had been a widow? Because my grandmother had three husbands before she died. Could it be that the husbands that she was with divorced her? See, many times when we read the scriptures, we look at it from a westernized mindset of divorce. But guess what? In the first century, the power of divorce rested almost solely with the man. And only the husband could initiate a divorce regardless of the wife's desires. So for all we know, hallelujah, she could have been a divorced widow. For all we know, the man that she was with could have been a situationship. See, young folk, they talk about situationships now, meaning, see, they don't want to say they're in a relationship. They say, I'm in a situationship, meaning, they say, are you together? Oh, no, we're not together. I mean, they're doing everything they look like together is doing, but, oh, we're not together. We're just in a situationship right now. It's just a, uh, I don't, what is a situation? I ain't going to go there today. But they say, for all we know, she could have been, hallelujah, with this man in a situationship. For For all we know, this man took her in at a point of her life where she felt unwanted and unattractive. For all we know, she could have been hurt and insecure to even get married again. For all we know, there could have been an emptiness within her because of what other men possibly did to her that left her alone five husbands later. Hallelujah. And so the Bible says that she will go and draw water at 12 noon. So for all we know, because of the embarrassment, she went to draw water at an odd part of the day to avoid people. Jesus told her that she had one, two, three, four, five husbands. And the sixth man, hallelujah, that you were with is not your husband. But little did she know, glory to God, that the seventh man, little did she know that the seventh man, hallelujah, that gave her attention, the seventh man that offered a cure for her emptiness and thirst, the seventh man was the living Messiah. Hallelujah. The woman said in verse 17, she said, I have no husband. Jesus said, you said, well, we have no husband. For you've had five husbands. And the one you're with now is not your husband in that you spoke truly. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. Our fathers worship on this mountain. And you Jews said that in Jerusalem. (laughs) 
is the place where one ought to worship. Earlier, I mentioned that the Samaritans built their own temple to parallel what the Jews did at Jerusalem. Now, some may feel that she changed the subject because she was uncomfortable of what Jesus said about her married life. But maybe now that she knew that she had to be at the time at least talking to a prophet, that maybe that he could bring some clarity to some things. And so in her statement, when she said to Jesus, well, our fathers worshiped on this mountain and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Maybe, hallelujah, I, what I love about it is that in her statement, it gave Jesus the perfect segue to, 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 for his whole reason as to why he went through Samaria in the first place. I want you all to know today that Jesus, he did not only come to fulfill the law, but to bring salvation for everyone. Jesus went across religious beliefs. Jesus went across human and financial and spiritual status. Jesus went across man-made rules and regulations. Jesus went across race and culture by displaying love. And guess what comes with love? Unity. Jesus wasn't a dividing person. He brought forth unity. Verse 21 says, Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, for the hour is come when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the father. You will worship. He said, she said, you, he said, you worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, talking about the Jews, for the salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. Jesus says to her, God is a spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The Amplified Classic Bible says, you Samaritans do not know what you are worshiping. You worship what you do not comprehend. Hallelujah. We, we, we do know what we are worshiping because we worship what we have knowledge of and understand. After all, salvation comes from among the Jews. A time will come, however, indeed, it is already here when the true, genuine worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, within reality. For the Father is seeking just such people as these as his worshipers. The NJH version says, oh, you Samaritans, the worship you've been doing, hallelujah, has you going through methods and motions. It has no relationship. It has no full and clear understanding. But we, the Jews, know what we worship because there has been an established relationship between us and the one true God. 
And because of what he promised us after Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, we know that the Messiah will come through the lineage of the Jews. But guess what? The hour has come now when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. I might buy that NJH version. I like that version. I might buy that. Hallelujah. God is a spirit, which means that he is not a he's not limited to just a physical place. God is a spirit. That means that he is present everywhere. God is a spirit, which means that he can be worshipped anywhere, anytime. And it's not always people of God where we worship that counts. It's but how we worship. We sometimes focus on where we worship. It's very important that we come together. It's very important that we come into the tabernacle to worship because what I do when I come here on Sundays and Wednesdays, it's nice to know that I ain't the only one that's going through sometimes. It's nice to know that I can be strengthened by my brother and my sister. That's why it's so important for us to get together. And when I can't get together, we turn on and some of y'all are watching us now because you want to be connected with us. But the Lord is saying, hallelujah. He says it's, it's not always hallelujah where you worship that counts, but it's how we worship. Verse 25, the woman said to him, she said, I know that the Messiah is coming who was called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Same way God spoke to Moses and said, I am he. He speaks to the woman at Samaria and say, I who speak to you am he. Notice how differently Jesus approaches the situation compared to what all the other situations in the Bible. He did not condemn her and call her a sinner. Hallelujah. He did not use parables with her. Did y'all notice that? Hallelujah. But in this text, he was very direct with her and told her from his own mouth that he is the Messiah. All right. Let's just look at verse 27 for a little bit. At this point, his disciples came and they marveled. That Jesus talked with a woman. Yet no one said, that's all I'm telling you, y'all. Y'all pray for me as I read the Bible. Yet no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? The woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city, and said to the men, come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. Let me backtrack. So I just see the brothers walking in and they see Jesus at the well. Yo, you see, he, talk, he talking. I ain't saying that. You going to ask him? I ain't asking him. Yo, well, why is he talking to her? Because as I shared with you earlier, number one, they're going through Samaria. That was red flag to them, red flag number one. Then Jesus is talking to her. What you talking to her for? What, what, what's that all about? And so no one was going to ask. No one. I, I laughed because I saw this as when I was kids where we were scared to ask our parents something because you didn't know how they was going to respond. 
There was some stuff where you ask him. I, I ain't saying nothing. We just going to find out together. And that's what happened. They found out together. But what happened is what I love about this, y'all, she was so moved. She came to draw water at the well. She had her water pot. When Jesus began to speak life into her, hallelujah, I believe right then and there, something on the inside already began to fill up. Because she was no longer, she came for some water. She had to be thirsty. But she was so excited because Jesus, through his word, began to fill up some things inside of her. That what the Bible says, she dropped that water pot. She ran. I'm telling y'all, when you are excited about something, you can't hold it to yourself. Hallelujah. They got two for 20 at the barbecue joint. You call everybody and tell them that. When you're excited about something, you can't hold it in. When you know there's a discount, when you know something's going down, you call everybody. And when her life got changed through Jesus Christ, she dropped her water pot, ran into the city and said, listen, come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and they came to him. They first believed on him. Because of her testimony. Let's drop down to verse 39. Verse 39 says, and many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word who the woman testified that he told me of all that I ever did. So they believed on him because of her testimony. And I believe as I read this that she may even add in a little spice because she said, he told me all that I ever did. Now, the text didn't say it. It could have happened. We don't know. But if we, if we step into our Holy Ghost imagination, she added a little spice to it. You know, you got to advertise. You got to advertise good, okay? Make this thing. Make these people want to get what she got. And so she said, he told me all that I ever did. <laughs> and I looked at it from a way, too, that when the men jumped up to run, I think some of them were probably nosy and said, shoot. He wanna, we want to find out why she went through five husbands. So we won't come and find out what this man got to say. Because I want to know. I want to get the tea. All right. I'm just being, I'm just, this is 2023 now, y'all. This is what's going on. And so they jumped up and they said, we want to hear what this man got to say because we want to know. So they came to Jesus. Verse 40, it says, so when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. Now, these people know he's a Jew. They know what the Jews think of them, but Jesus was different. And that's what he calls us to be. He calls us to be different, y'all. He's calling us to walk into places that other people will not walk into. He's calling us to talk to people that other people won't talk to. And I'll say this, let me put a point, that other religious people won't talk to that other so-called sanctified people won't talk to, that other Holy Ghost tongue-talking, Hikamashiah people won't, I ain't talking to him. He's calling us, the true worshipers, to go into places and to talk to people that we don't normally talk to because of the love that he placed inside of us. They enjoyed Jesus so much that they urged him to stay with them for two days. And the Bible says in verse 41, and many more believed because of his own word. Now, her testimony drew them in. 
But they got to listen to him just a little bit longer. And they believed enough of what she said to get to him. But when they got to talk to Jesus just a little bit longer, the Bible says, and many more believed because of his own word. Verse 42 says, and they said to the woman, now we believe not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him and we know that it is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. The Amplified Bible says, and they told the woman, we no longer believe and trust and have faith just because of what you said. For we have heard him for ourselves personally, and we know that he is truly the Savior of the world, the Christ. And I'm challenging you today that it's good that we hear the word and this is what we're here to do. Pastor, the ministers, we're here to preach the word to you. We're here to empower you. We're here to get you going into God. But it's not just enough to hear what we say, but you need to get your own. I want y'all just to look around. I don't always do that neighbor stuff, but just look around and just say, get your own. Just say, say it with a little attitude to get your own. Get your own, get your own, get your own, get your own. I remember when I was a kid, whew, Jesus, in my younger days, I remember I wanted to, in the car, so many stories I can tell you, but I just remember being in the car, driving by the music store. Mom, Dad, can I go to the music store? No. Oh, can we go to McDonald's? No. Uh, can, we, can we stop by the mall? No. And then in the midst of my anger, under my breath, because they wasn't going to hear me, because if they heard me, I wouldn't be here today preaching. Praise the Lord. But I remember saying under my breath, <laughs> saying it to my siblings or writing it in my journal, I can't wait till I get my own license. I can't wait till I get my own car and do what I wanted to do. And I want you to picture it, 12 years old, in my bedroom. Um, no TV, no games, no fun. Can't go outside. You can hear the kids outside the window playing. And you in the house <laughs> on punishment. And you say to yourself, I can't wait till I get grown and get my own house. I can't wait until I can do what I want to do. Because I'm tired of these rules. I want to get my own. Then you get a little older. You get your own. You learn there's more to it than you thought. You learn that, yes, having your own comes with great benefits, but it also costs you something. You get grown and you, you get your own and then you find out you have an uncle that nobody told you about. You find out later on you have an uncle and his name was Bill. And, and you realize Bill, Uncle Bill got some kids. Electric, water, gas, rent, cable, groceries and you said I got my own and you told me I got an uncle uncle Bill uh-uh uh-uh we, we gotta fix this so so then, 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 then the Lord bless you he bless you with a good job the Lord bless you with a good job and you get some good money some money's coming in oh praise the Lord but then you get your, your paycheck and you say who drafted me into the faith international Christians alliance 
What is the FICA? Who is FICA? You look at your paycheck, FICA? Who, who are these people taking this money out of my paycheck? So now you got your own. Now you have your freedom. Now you have your liberty. Ah, but you learned that it was more than what you thought. Hallelujah. You learn that although it comes with great benefits, it will cost you something. And now, guess what? You got a little older. You start making some phone calls or you start saying to your mom and dad or whoever raised you, you start having more respect and reverence for the sacrifices that they made. It wasn't until I got my own that I understand why they said no as much as they did. It wasn't until I got my own that I understood why they did what they did. It wasn't until I got my own that I understood why I needed discipline and structure. I went from not understanding why to understanding why not. I went from not understanding why to understanding why not. People of God, there's been times where my mom told me, don't do this. Don't go here. Don't hang out with them. Be careful with that. Don't touch that. But I wanted to do what I wanted to do because to me, her word wasn't enough. And so I wanted to get it, figure it out for myself. And I got either burnt, bit, hit, bruised, or hurt because I had to be all big and bad by myself. And I needed my own experience. And but let's flip that. That's the same way with God. We can tell you all we want about Jesus. We can tell you all the great things that he has in store for you. But it's not until you get it for yourself. It's not until you get in the word for yourself. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's not until you learn Jesus for himself. Thank you. It's not until you get into a relationship with the Lord that you begin to learn that he is who he is. Hallelujah. I will tell this mu I will tell this story until maybe I'll be 90 years old. But I was born, born and raised in church. Hallelujah. Knew the word of God. Knew how to quicken and shake and shout. I knew how to do it all. Singing and playing the organ. And it got to a point in my life, and many of you heard me tell it, I'm going to tell it again, that I got tired of being called the church boy. I got tired of being called the one that stand out. I didn't like be standing out, and I didn't like being different, and I wanted to mix in with the crowd. And so by the time, now from kindergarten all the way up to sixth grade, A.B. student, merit roll, honor roll, perfect attendance. Got to middle school, I said, I'm tired of doing this. I'm tired of fitting in with the crowd. I want to be like everybody else. And I should have brought it because I still have this report card to this day. It says, when I got at the end of the school year, it said retained to the seventh grade. Now, I knew what retained was, but I still had to go to the dictionary just to make sure I read what I read. I said, retained? No, that don't mean left back. Now you're joking. Retained? Retained held back to hold back I got left back y'all my dad was still alive at the time <sighs> I was scared to go home 
I took my time to go home. I was scared to go home. I said, "Mm -mm." I went home. The Lord showed some favor on me. I got home probably about four o'clock that afternoon. You know, it was a half a day at school, right? Got home about four o'clock that afternoon. My dad is sitting in his Cadillac. My dad was old school, y'all. He would be 80 years old this year. He was sitting in his blue Cadillac. And I said, hey, dad, I got left back. (laughs) And he didn't say anything. So that scared me. Slept with one eye open. But let me tell you what I did. I had some, oh, I had some Sunday school teachers. Them evangelists, them missionaries. They taught me if you call on Jesus, he'll answer prayer. If you stand on the word, he'll do it for you. They said, begin to quote the scriptures. Walk the scriptures. This is what he's teaching us in Sunday school. Walk the scriptures. Believe what thus saith the Lord. And I said, you know what? I'm going to try this thing out. I'm 12 years old, 13 years old. And I said, listen, I'm going to try this thing out. I'm going to do it for myself. They told me. They told me. They told me. But I said, let me try it. Let me try it. Hallelujah. And I began to stand on the word of God. Then they even told us in, in Friday night deliverance service. They said, call those things that be not as though they were begin to speak it into existence and I begin to pray and say Lord put me in the eighth grade father put me in the eighth grade then I got to a place I said oh I'm going to the eighth grade I'm going to the eighth grade had my big bible too holding I'm going to the eighth grade and I begin to believe and trust God a few weeks later Mr. Jeffrey Stern called my mother my father He was my principal back in elementary school and one of the assistant principals. And he followed us into the new middle school. And he happened to look at the left back list and he saw my name, Nathan Hoskins, on the list. And he said to my mom and dad, I can't believe that Nathan got left back. Now, here's the deal. My teacher, who was a first lady of a church, what type of faith did she have? You get left back, ain't no summer school for you, ain't nothing going to happen for you, you're done. I mean, she threw it in my face, y'all. He said, I can't believe Nathan is on the left back list. I'm putting him through summer school. They told me summer school was impossible. They told me you're done. That's what you get for playing around. That's what you get for trying to be like everybody else. But I got it for myself. I tried that man, Jesus. I tried that thing called prayer. I tried that thing called believing. I tried that thing called confessing. I did it and I got my own experience. And it woke me up, y'all, because you didn't have to tell me nothing after that. I got my behind in National Honor Society, and I graduated with honors. Hallelujah. Because I got my own understanding. As I close here, the Bible says in verse 39, it says, And the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified he told me all that I ever did so when the Samaritans had come to him they urged Jesus to stay a few days and many more believed because of his own word but the verse y'all that hit me so hard was they said to the woman now we believe not because of what you said for we believe for ourselves Because we heard him for ourselves. And we know that indeed he is the Christ.
the savior of the world. People of God, I encourage you today to know for yourself who God is. I encourage you today to know for yourself what God can do. I know we're moving into a place of signs and wonders. I know we're moving into a place of healings and miracles. I know we're moving into a place of great prophetic utterances. But the Lord wants you to know that before you get all of those gifts and all of those things, you need to get some understanding. When I want to cook a good meal, I need the ingredients and I need the recipe. And if I wanted to come out exactly how Big Mama made it, I need to follow the instructions of how Big Mama said it. And so if you want some crazy power, not just some little sprinkling of a little anointing, not some little, I think God said, you want to walk and literally raise the dead? Because there's some people that have raised the dead. You want to lay hands on some people that were sick and they have recovered. The Lord has allowed me to do that. To lay hands on somebody that was sick and he did it because I got an understanding of what he is able to do. When you get an understanding and when you get your own understanding, you are able, hallelujah, to do what we call the miraculous. When God blesses you with wisdom and understanding, that now means that you were created to solve a problem. You were created to be a solution. And no solution is valuable without a stain or without a conflict. God has already favored your life. God will put you in position to solve a problem and to be a solution. What am I saying to you today? It's not just for you to hear the word, but it's for you to understand the word for yourself so that now you can go out and be a disciple. So that I can go out and be a witness. Because believe it or not, all of us are a solution to somebody's problem. You all have a way of talking to some people that I may never be able to talk to. Because God has given each and one of you a specific way of talking. The Bible calls it the salt of the earth. You have a way of saying something to somebody. I may never say it. And so guess what? You are the solution to a problem. You are the solution to your family. You are the solution to your job. Let's all stand. You are the solution to your community.